Ladies and gents, I'm excited to release this one today. Welcome back to the Inspiration Space. Today I'm releasing an episode which I couldn't be more ecstatic to release. I recorded it a couple of weeks ago and it was with none other than the number one male crossfitter on the planet at the moment, Pat Vellner. Guys, if you don't know who Pat Vellner is, shame on you. Unbelievable athlete, someone who has been a huge inspiration for myself. I love watching this guy work. It's insane. If you haven't seen any of the fittest documentaries um, or any of these CrossFit documentaries that, that have been put out over the last couple of years, strongly suggest going and watch it. They get you pumped to go and work out. The mindset that these guys have is quite phenomenal, and you'll hear all about it on today's episode. Before we get stuck in, guys. Uh, just want to tell you about a little project I've been working on. Um, I've come on board to a business called Active Place, where I've been asked to be a partner. Uh, this came about through uh, a, a guy that I had in the podcast a couple of years ago, Scott Coey, who ran seven marathons in seven days uh, on seven continents. Not a normal character, Scott, in the best way. Uh, basically, essentially, Active Place is an all-in-one technology platform that helps active people discover and grow their sport, wellness, and active lifestyle. You know, it's all it's all about things that make up the culture of being active. You know, the community, the content, the events, experiences, brands, products, mentors, coaches, specialized services, and, and, and loads, loads more. I've been, I've been looking, um, I've been looking at the platform recently, and it's so exciting. Definitely something to get involved with. You know, what I want you to imagine it's a little bit like LinkedIn and TripAdvisor having a love child. You know, but it. It gives things that are specific to you and your active culture, passions and interests. Uh, guys, it's going to soft launch in uh, July, some point in July. So I do strongly suggest going over and just sort of pre-registering your account. Um, it, honestly, it really is an epic platform. Definitely worth getting involved with. If I'll leave it in the show notes, but if you want to just type it in now, it's and register your your pre-register your account. It's activeplace.com forward slash people forward slash. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Misfits Health, which is a plant-based health company all about promoting inclusivity in what is typically an exclusive world. I'm not a vegan myself, but where I can, I do try to trim my animal products if possible. Um, not a lie, guys. Not a lie. These bars are one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. Honestly, I've tried every single protein bar under the sun and these are the best the texture the flavor and the way they kind of fuel my training is exactly what i look for in a, in a sort of pre-training snack my best mate does own it and i honestly I'll, I'll tell you that just for full transparency but he is really sick of me uh stealing these out the back of his car so he's been kind enough to give myself and you guys a promotional code for 25% off. I'm not joking, guys. These bars are stupidly good. If you don't believe me, head over to their Instagram and have a look at the feedback that they get. This code, guys, 25% off your, your, your next order is INSPO25. So head on over, get advantage of that, and get stuck into those bars. I love, I love the peanut flavor. It's, it's an absolute banger. Right, guys, once again, Pat Vellner. This honestly was a huge, huge moment for me in the podcast. I have, have, have had honestly so much inspiration off the back of watching this guy train. He's just won the uh, Rogue Invitational this year. Insane performance once again from him. And yeah, I can't wait to carry on watching this guy just get better and better and better in the future. Really amazing guy. So lovely to speak to. So guys, get the most out of it. Get stuck in and take what you can. Speak soon, squad.
thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. This is a big, big moment for me uh, and the podcast. Um, I'm being a massive fan for a long time. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to act too much like a fanboy. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. I think, like always, best place to start is probably just get a bit of background, obviously, on yourself. Um, and yeah, just, just for our listeners, base, just so they kind of know who you are. Maybe touch on some of the sort of early experiences you had in regards to fitness or athletics. You know, I understand that gymnastics was a sort of massive focus in your early days. If you could maybe just walk us through a little bit of that to get, to get us going. Yeah, sure. So my pleasure, Hayden. Happy to be on. Um, I guess, so my, my name is Pat Vellner. I compete in CrossFit. I've competed at the CrossFit Games four times now. 16, 17, 18, 19, four times as an individual, once on a team. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it for quite some time. I, I grew up, I'm from Canada. I grew up in like kind of more central Canada in a small town. And then I moved around a ton. Like I've kind of lived in every major center. I lived in Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and now I'm back in uh, Vancouver Island. So right on the West, West coast of Canada. But yeah, so I kind of started doing sports and fitness from a really young age my you're right gymnastics was kind of my primary competitive sport uh, I competed in men's artistic gymnastics it's kind of like the olympic you know rings pommel horse floor high bar all that stuff did that till I was about 20 which is hard like it's hard work that's a demanding sport and uh, it takes a lot of time so I did that and I also played a lot of lacrosse uh, which I don't know if you guys have much out that way but uh, it's pretty big back home so yeah, I played competitive I do, yeah yeah, I played indoor lacrosse till I was probably from when I was like 12 or 13 till I was like 24. Um, and then I kind of retired from that. And then I... Did you play I a bit know. of rugby? Did you play yeah, a bit I, of rugby? I, played, I played a few years of rugby. I probably played for four years. Uh, I played, I used to play outside center and fly half. But uh, yeah, so did a lot of that. Uh, so different different kinds of sports, right? Like gymnastics being a very an individual sport that's very performance-based um, and then, you know, sports like rugby and lacrosse that are team-based and, you know, very much competitive against other people, right? You're, you're pushing yeah, against yeah. another team, another player. Um, and that's a different kind of competition. Uh, so it was cool. I mean, it kind of develops different areas of your mind and your body for sure. But um, I think I had a very versatile athletic upbringing. So, yeah. Um, and I would say when I, I started kind of dabbling in CrossFit when I was uh, in university in Montreal, so probably not until I was like 23. Uh, and I kind of did, did that, How did that start out? How did you, how did you come across it? It was kind of, I, I had, I competed, so I was doing gymnastics for a long time and then I had retired kind of right before I moved that way. Um, and I took a couple of years of just like, I kind of burnt out a little bit and I took a couple of years off. Um, and then I was sort of just getting back into going to the gym more regularly and getting myself back to, you know, enjoying training again. Sure. Um, and yeah, I was just like at my university gym and I met some people there who were doing like some interval circuit style training. They were doing some CrossFit workouts and I was like, cool. I think the first kind of time I got, I got in and met with them, they were just playing on the rings. They hung some rings and they were playing on them. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like, do you mind if I use those a little bit, um, play with some stuff that I used to do in gymnastics, but um and then kind of got chatting with them so i just started working out with them made friends with these guys and they were you know just my workout buddies right um and so i did a lot of crossfit workouts with them and it was fun it's just 
it's novel, right? And it keeps things fresh. And it was an easier way to, you know, rather than come in and do the same training session, you know, every other week forever, um, it sort of provided a, a fresh look and some variability that was exciting and fun and, and uh, made you made you enjoy kind of going in. Yeah. So uh, I started doing that. And the other side of it is, you know, from the background that I had, I was very, very strong at some things. Um, mm. But I was also very weak at some things. And so a lot of the weightlifting and some of the, the elements that are involved in CrossFit uh, workouts, I just had never done before. So there was a lot of learning. And, and because of kind of my background, I kind of enjoy learning. Um, like you spend a lot of time in gymnastics learning new skills. And so it was fun. It was fun to kind of have something to work on that wasn't just like grunt work like or like grinding or just pushing through a workout. It was like it was fun skill work a lot of the time. Um, and it was problem solving. And so for me, that kept my mind engaged in it. And it was something that I really needed at the time to enjoy training again. So yeah, I kind of thought, I don't know when that would have been when I started working out with them would have been like probably either the very end of 2012 or the start of 2013. But, uh, then the open for CrossFit starts, you know, in the end of February or did at that time. So they they were doing it and they were like yeah you know it's 20 bucks you just like sign up we'll do all the workouts together so i did the open in 2013 then having just kind of started um and got my ass kicked right like you know it was reasonably good at some things but just then i had just hilarious weaknesses so i got crushed and and just being the way that i am i didn't enjoy that very much so on the outside of it just looking back i was like oh you know what like i really sucked at like xyz but um, I'm much better than probably a lot of people at these things. And I just like, I need to refocus my energy and I could probably be pretty good at this if I put my time in the right place. So, you know, I had to start building more strength and working on some of the weightlifting and some skills that I hadn't done before. Um, is that when you joined your first CrossFit box? No, not yet. So I actually, then that next, that whole kind of next year, I just, I kept working out with those guys at the school gym, um, and did the open the following year in 2014. Um, and then I qualified for the region, the next stage, the regional competition that year. So I went there, um, and Nick, you can like, they're probably still on YouTube. Like back then, if you don't do the workouts at a gym, you have to just film, record it. And then like the internet judges you basically. And then you go. So all my videos from 2014 open are still like online as far as I know. Um, and just like being doing them at the McGill university gym. And it, they're just like hilarious. So I, uh, I did that that year and I kind of just got in. I was like one of the last place qualifiers in the regional, but I went to that competition and I took fifth. Um, and that year it was like, uh, ADL, one of the guys from Quebec came first and there was a three-way tie for second and then me. (laughs) So I was a little ways out of that, that tie. Like I wasn't really in the mix for that tie, but at that time, uh, in our region, they only sent two people to the games. So that three-way tie was like only one of those guys actually qualified. Um, so it was quite an intense competition, but I won, I won two events at the regional, I think at a seven. Um, because again, they just like, one was a, was a handstand walk workout. And I just like, I was just better at that than people at that time. Um, having not even trained it just because I trained it for like 10 years, 15, 12 years. And then, there was another one that was uh, a long kind of grindy one that I had won. And just like there was a few skills in that year that were, I would say there was two events that were heavy weightlifting bias and I got trashed at them. 
And then everything else was very manageable for me. So I did exceptionally well for what I had. Um, and then at that point, I think there was a, there was a coach there um, and they had a few athletes that were representing them at that uh, competition. And they talked to me afterwards and they're like, Hey, you don't have a gym. Like you don't, you don't even like train properly. You should, uh, you should figure that out and come work out with us. And their gym that was actually not that far. It was only like a couple kilometers from my house. So I, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. And I kind of made a, a handshake deal with them that I would train at the gym there, um, maybe coach some specialty gymnastics stuff with them. And then um, I would compete on their team the next year. Cause they had, I think they had three women that were competing there at the regional that year and they were going to just make a strong team. They needed to find like a couple more guys. So we were like, okay, cool. Like I'll come and I'll help. I'll, I'll train there and you guys will help me out. And then I'll, I'll be a part of your team as one of the men. Uh, and so that that whole next year in 2014, I was training at CrossFit Plateau in Montreal, uh, which was great. And I think at that point, I kind of the coach that I had there was was very weightlifting. Uh, I wouldn't say it was very weightlifting biased. He had a very keen interest in weightlifting, uh, but also in like skills in general. He loved to coach gymnastic skills. He liked technical movement, right? So um, I think I, it was great. It taught me to move very well and and specifically put me on some good weightlifting programs to just start to build strength i did like starting strength for a while and i did a couple good um weightlifting just like i don't know just like a couple squat cycles and things to just increase my strength uh and we took a lot of a lot of uh time away from conditioning and, and stuff like that gymnastic skills because i just didn't need it so to try to accelerate that a little bit, I, I focused a lot on strength and weightlifting for kind of half that next year. How was that as an experience? Like, I mean, you kind of touched on, you know, your gymnastics career and how, you know, that, that taught you so many skills in that department. How was it stepping into the realms of something that you weren't as familiar with and, and, and almost failing, facing potentially, you know, that failure every day and, and those struggles of, of pushing it through in that department? How was that for you as an individual? I'd say there's sort of like two sides of it. Like, I, Honestly, like, like it's, it's frustrating to suck at stuff and, and to fail a lot, but that's something that a sport like gymnastics teaches you to do really well is that you don't, you don't walk into the gymnastics gym and, and just start like sticking landings on your first day. Like you fall yeah, on your fucking course. head, you fall on your head like a hundred times before you land on your feet and you sort of just learn to, yeah, yes, it's frustrating, but it's part of the learning process and you really internalize that and you get it. And I think a lot of people can say like, okay, I like, I get that, but you really get it like after years of like crashing onto your head and it, and it I think that that way you're, you're a little less deterred by like you can be frustrated but you you're kind of understand what to do with that and you don't walk away from things and you don't like you get that that's just part of the learning process so I think that that's valuable to have uh, as a mentality but I also and I don't know where I kind of get this from maybe partly from just like the long hours of training in gymnastics but I'm also like, I'm kind of happy to, to put the time in. Um, it's boring. Like what I did then and that like in 2014 for kind of half a year, most of the year in 2014, honestly, I, it was boring training for me and I, and I, I didn't enjoy it really, but it was investment phase. And it was like, I understood that it was something that I needed to do to be successful long-term. But uh, yeah, it just, what I liked and what drew me to, to that, CrossFit was that I, I was different and it was fun and it was novel and it was stuff that I could do and I could come into the gym every day and do something different. So when, when all of a sudden I was doing like the same squatting, the same weightlifting, like every other day for 
a matter of months. It just like, it got old. Um, but it was, it was okay. Like I knew that that was what I needed to do. So I, I just kind of like put my head down and accepted that for a while. And I think that the reality of at that point, not having to do it by myself, having, you know, being at a gym with other people, despite the fact that I was doing a lot of kind of extra training and, and like extra stuff before classes or things like that. Um, I think that in, at that gym, even our team, the kind of rule was that we weren't, it wasn't like we were doing open gym stuff and doing our own thing. Like the elite athletes over here, um, we did the group classes always. So usually what I would happen is I'd have some programming of like my weightlifting specific stuff. Some of the other guys might have some other specific uh, extra training for them, for their weaknesses. And we would do some of that before. And then we would just do the class as our like general conditioning thing. So we kind of still got to be in the gym and be part of that group. So I think that helped keep me sane a little bit uh, in between my like long hours of weightlifting. But yeah, it sort of, it made it boring for a bit, but I don't know why. For some reason I'm, I'm like... I'm okay doing that. Like I can do boring stuff for a long time, which is good because frankly, to be really successful at this, you have to kind of have a little bit of that. Um, yeah, be willing to just kind of like put your head down and do boring stuff repeatedly for a long time. And then yeah. eventually it bears fruit. Right. So, yeah. um, so that was cool. That was a, a good, and I think that year too, in 2014 going team, I had the weaknesses that I had were very strength yeah. and power oriented. And at that time, at least the team competition in CrossFit was very power oriented where everything was like short bursts, heavier weights, mm -hmm. interval style stuff where you kind of get in and get out. And um, so training for that for almost a year basically offset all of the weaknesses that I had initially. Um, yeah. So then in, come the 2015 season, we went to you went to the, the games regionals. with the team, right? Yeah. Get, yeah. So we went to the regionals. That was the first year they changed the format to like the super regional format. Right. Um, and so we were competing against a bunch of teams in the U S as well, but yeah, we qualified our team that year and went, and it was interesting team. I, I CrossFit team stuff is, is interesting. I think it's like kind of fundamentally an individual sport yes. uh, that you can kind of mash into a team format, yes. but um it's hard. And I think that, you know, a tremendous respect to the people who compete on teams because it's super difficult. And I think it requires, to me, it requires a lot of energy and managing people. Um, and especially at that time when it was six people instead of four, it's just like an extra, it, it's an extra bunch of effort and emotional energy. And it's just, it takes a lot of, of effort to keep a unit together uh, when things are hard and when things are good and everybody reacts to stimulus differently. Like they react to the good stuff and the bad stuff differently. So to keep everyone in balance and I'm very much a, a fairly steady as she goes, even keeled competitor. So for me, it was extremely difficult to deal with, with people other people's who, emotions. Yeah. Who are very explosive. And like, yeah. you know, I, there was myself and one of the other uh, women on our team were very much like that, which was good. Cause we could kind of try to help control the, you know, our counterparts and stuff, but it was, it's funny. Cause you kind of, I don't know. I, I felt like at times I'd look and I'd be like, I just don't understand <laughs> why people are behaving. It's like, I don't, I don't think that way. So I like, I don't get it. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I get it. And I, 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 at least like the years of competing on team sports as well, playing lacrosse and rugby, I think you learn a little bit of that, like how to, how to speak to certain people knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are, like how to, how to get them to, 
get to give what they need or get to give their best or like give people what they need to be successful. So it was funny, but yeah, that was an interesting time. Cause it was, I found that that was one of the biggest challenges is it was physically demanding. Sure. But it was like, it was an emotional roller coaster trying to deal yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. you know, not only your own emotions that you're trying to keep in check, but then also like the, uh, the emotions of five other people that are raining down on you. And you're just like, Holy crap. Yeah, 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 so, of course. so it was a cool year. And I think it was a very important year for me developing for developing a, yeah. into like a better well-rounded athlete but mm. i certainly left i think that year very ready to go back to individual competition sure um the and, following and year, which was always and, my plan and that 2015 2016 yeah i mean i was looking at your, at your stats over the last couple of days and you went from 30 38 best in canada to first that year i mean what 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 were the changes that escalated that that phenomenal kind of you know, like progress up the pecking order. Was it that year that you spent really focusing in on those weaknesses or was it the people you had around you? Was it the, the experiences you went through? Or was it just general repetition of everything accumulating into one? Um, I, I'll have to think, I think I would have just moved. So, well, one part of the reason is because in 2015, when I was going team, I kind of mailed in the open. Um, and I, I didn't like, I didn't try as hard as I probably could have. I didn't take it as seriously. Um, you know, I think I like, I was quite sick on like the last week and I had a couple like weird things going on in the open where it was, I got through it, but it didn't matter because I didn't need to perform at a certain level because I wasn't trying to compete individually. So it didn't matter. Um, and we were, we were going to be okay to get through on a team. Um, and I could kind of lean on my teammates a bit. So it, yeah, I don't want to say I didn't like try, but I think I had some some missteps in the open that were probably avoidable, but I just yeah. didn't sweat it too much. Um, and that year, so I graduated university in Montreal that after the games, well, before the games in 2015. Well, and then I had moved to Toronto. So I moved for professional school. Um, so that whole next year, I was kind of in a new place and I was at a new gym. And um, I don't know, sometimes a change of environment is good for you. And I think that the the change in environment between being in an undergraduate program and being in a professional program was significant in terms of like the amount of I guess work I had to put in and you know maybe I was like not partying as much and my lifestyle had improved significantly so I think probably that like a lot of that played small roles and then it's just a slow accumulation of the same things you know I had I had improved a lot in a lot of areas over the course of that last year and then continued that trend and then it was now shifting gears back to being uh, an individual again, where I was starting to refocus on some of the skills that I needed to be successful in that context, um, which then kind of translate more in the open. So um, I don't know, you know, every, it's funny, every year or two in every competition you do, you learn a little bit. So I think all that stuff, that slow accumulation of time just makes a difference. But yeah, 2016 was a good year. Yeah, big year, big year, huge. I was looking at some some flashbacks from the games, and we'll speak about that now. I mean, I this question while we're here: the difference between training for an open and the, and and the games. I mean, do you have a? I mean, do you have a one that you prefer? Is it a completely different mindset going into the open than it is for the games? Obviously, they're, they're much more spread out. Talk to us a little bit about that. That, that interests me. Uh, I mean, training for the games is more fun, I would say, because some, you can justify your training more easily. Um, and like, what I mean by that is some days you're not just in the gym. Like you can go, you go swim at the lake and be like, oh, you know, I'll go run five kilometers and swim like 
two kilometers yeah, and yeah. you just do that. And like, that's, that's training. Like that was a good session. And I think that you can do other things. Like you go mountain biking and you're like, who knows, maybe it'll, something will come up and you can kind of justify a lot of stuff that's just fitness related sure. and it's exertional and it's exercise, but it's not like, you know, traditional CrossFit, but you don't have to always be like on a barbell. You start doing some strongman stuff, like some more general athleticism, doing like sprints and agility training and stuff like that. So I think that the, the, the massive increase in variability kind of just makes it more fun. Uh, some days you kind of look at your schedule and you're like, ah, like this will be a fun session. Like this will be just like, it's like playing. It's not as much um, like just, you know, doing burpees until you die. Right. Like it's, it's, it's fine. Like, so some of them are just, are just more fun. There's a little bit more creativity that goes into it. Um, it's, it has an extra level of stress because it's kind of training for the big show, but um, training for the open uh, is, you know, you're kind of, you look at the limitations of what the open can program. And I think that that at that point you have to kind of be training for some classic CrossFit. And I think nowadays, like I don't train specifically for the open that time of year is very, um, it's still a low volume time of year. Like the way I try to look at it is the way our season has been set up typically is the open kind of comes first. And then there's competitions in between it used to be regionals and now it's a lot of these sanctioned events or or we'll see what happens now but that's what it was in the last couple years and then you have the games so to be successful in the open you basically need to be fit once a week and like that's how i guess in the simplest terms like that's way to look at it um and people in my opinion a lot of people spend a little bit too much time um training really high volume all throughout the year uh, and you don't really need it like the only reason to, to train at really high volume is to prepare your body to tolerate really high volume. Sure. So for the open, you don't need that. Yeah. You do, you need to do one really hard effort once a week and maybe, you know, maybe two really hard efforts over the span of four days, because uh, if you want to redo it, but there's probably no reason you should be redoing an open workout three, four times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really like, you know, do it Friday, do it Monday. And then you're like, you're good. Like if Absolutely. it in the worst case scenario, so that, you should be able to do a hard workout, recover for two days, do another hard workout. That shouldn't be a tall order. And that's your, that should be your priority to be, if you're trying to be successful through the open. Um, when it comes time to compete in like a regional or sanctioned event format, you have added volume at that point. So now you need to train at a little bit higher volume. You've got to do three days likely of, you know, continuous competition, two to three events a day likely, and then, so how does your body tolerate that? And like, wow, you can train, you can train for that. Do, do three days in a row, like three days on one day off, two days on one day off kind of thing sure. and just train for that. But you add volume according to that. So it's sort of this slow growth. And then the games is often, you know, four, sometimes five days, uh, a little bit more volume. So, I mean, you could have 15 events of the span of four or five days. So now that's another one like that. This is when you need high volume. So the one downside of training for the games is like, it's a bit of a beat down in the sense of like, you're, you train at really, really high volume a lot of the time. Um, but that stuff's important to periodize. I think if you just do it nonstop, you're going to run out of juice and it's really hard to train at really high volume with really high intensity. So you have to kind of offset those things a little bit. Sure. And so I think there's some challenges that go along with it. I, I mean, I have a coach that I trust that does that stuff for me. So I don't really have to think about it, but yeah. my, my general sense of it is that it's like, you know, to be successful in the open, you have to consider what your priorities are. First of all, I guess if, if your priority is to be successful at the open, 
um, then like really that like that's what you need is to be ready to go really hard once once a week yeah. and then you know and not not that then you're just like you're you know fucking off for the rest of the week yeah. but yeah, you need to you need to still like whatever trade and do your things but you should be trying to prime yourself for for that hard effort right um so yeah it's, it's funny the different stages of competition just have a different type of prep phase and some of them you know prepping for like a regionals type or a sanctional event you can kind of look at what elements are available to that competition are you mostly going to be indoors is there going to be outdoors like what sort of things do you have to consider and you can train according to that but that's kind of why the games is more fun is the opportunities are pretty limitless and you can just sort of you can justify anything so someday if you want to just if you just want to go rock climbing you're like ah (laughs) it's rock climbing i was training today like so it's you can kind of justify anything and you know some days it's really hard and you got to go like run kilometers at the track but it's uh yeah, you can do a little bit more fun stuff and be creative. Sure. 2016, so that was your first as an individual. Let's touch on that. Just, quick, just, I want to hear what it was like going in as a, as a rookie, as an individual. Uh, were there any standout moments? Obviously, you, you placed third on that in, in your first year in that, which is unreal. Just, yeah, like, if you don't mind just talking to us a little bit about that first experience as an individual. It's kind of funny. I, I would actually say there were not very many standout moments that year. Really? Um, yeah, it's. I didn't like. I didn't win any events. I didn't do anything really great. I saw a stat once though that like out of, I think they had fifteen events that year, and I think I finished top ten in like nine or ten of them. It's mental. So I was just like very. <laughs> I was just good at, at almost everything, uh, and I didn't have any bad hiccups. I had my, the swim event. I finished like thirty fifth, I think, but other than that, I had no finishes outside of like, I don't know what, like you know, sixteen, seventeen. So I just was quite consistent. And I think that one of the things, a couple of things were really beneficial that year. One being my first year, I didn't really have super high expectations. I hate going into things with no expectation though. And I think I, uh, it would be doing myself a disservice to walk in and be like, I'm just going to see what happens this year because it, it kind of bugs me when I see athletes do that. Cause there's no guarantee that there's a next year, first of all. So like you should take the opportunity you've been given and like, go for it like why why waste your effort like you've put a lot of work in to get here like why just show up Absolutely. like I, I think that that's a, a pretty it's a it's a loser mentality frankly I, I just like I can't understand that so I I know going in I I, I didn't want to be greedy but I thought you know okay I, I definitely want to finish top half so like my goal was to be top 10 if not top 15 I was like I think that that's attainable based on you know, what the, I was, what my was doing at the regional and stuff like that, like measuring across. I was like, you know what, with looking at what the field's like, it's a new field, but like, they're just guys like me. Like, I think that I can do that. Um, and then the first day we were in, we were at the ranch that year, which I think was kind of cool. Cause something that can mess with people, I think is the, is the grandeur of the stage. And that year it was still in California. So like the big, like the bigness of the soccer field and the tennis stadium and things like that. And like the, the largeness of the moment can sometimes make people feel small or, or I don't know, like get distracted. And I think that being the first day, which was three events, um, all, all on this ranch where it was just very small and intimate. And it was like just you and the athletes and the judges, like no fans, no anything. It really was like a smaller environment and you just kind of felt like a, like I felt like training with your buddies like and it was it was super hard but the environment was just different and I think it was an easier environment to ease yourself into the competition in 
Um, so I, d I did very well on the first day and I think I was like third or fourth after the first day. Um, and then, you know, we had our swim. So like we had four events done before we even got to where the stage was. And at that point you're like, usually in competition, it's those first couple events where you're jittery. And then as things start to get along, you loosen up a bit and you just kind of get to work. So we, we kind of got all those jitters out before we ever hit the big stage. And I think that that was a, an advantage as a, a new competitor to have. Um, and then I also had, you know, the benefit of that summer, I was training with my, the, my coach now, Michelle Latondra, she was still competing that year. It was her last year. And, uh, she had been in competition forever and I was living and training with her for kind of the month leading up to the competition. So I think, you know, having a certain amount of exposure to a, an athlete who's been around the block a few times, uh, and talking to her a lot and, and, and training with her was, was helpful as well. Sure. But yeah, I think that that year, like kind of not putting too much pressure on myself was good um, for a first year to just kind of roll through, not lose a lot of sleep over like little slips and falls and little like lost places here and there, uh, knowing it was a long competition. And, and I think it was good. I mean, overall, I just, I feel like I didn't, I didn't really chase top finishes. Maybe like I do now, I kind of, I competed very much more relaxed, sure. but um you know, as a result, I also didn't, I also didn't get really get frustrated because I think the level of expectation wasn't really there. So it was really easy to, if something didn't go well, be like, oh, whatever, like, hey, that didn't go great. Like, what, I guess I need to work on that. <laughs> but, third, like, that's insane. Your first year, that must have been so, must have felt so, so, so good, especially, you know, then going back into, you know, going, then training up again for 2017. Did that change your mindset? Did it, did it just change your perspective of, what was what was managed what, what was achievable within the sport uh i think so and i think it it was strange you know I, like i said i think looking at in the past we had the regional kind of comparison you can make before the games where everyone had done the same events to qualify so you can get an idea roughly of where you stack up um and so you know looking at that i can be like okay like you know i i think i'm in the mix here uh and then i don't know i just, i feel like after that first year i really you know, it's your first time on that, on that stage, things were like, went pretty smoothly. And I just feel like I didn't really have any, any mistakes to speak of competed. I probably maximized my points as well as I could have like events that I could do well at. I did events that I wasn't great at. I, I damage controlled really well. So it was just like a very smooth competition. Um, and it's super reassuring when it goes that well, but I think that when it unexpectedly goes like that, well, you're sort of left with like a, I don't know what I, I, I kind of felt it was cool, but going into the next year, I was like, man, I don't know. Did I just get really lucky? Yeah, like, am yeah, I about yeah. to get, I feel like for, for the next, honestly, the next like two years, I was just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I, and I still sometimes feel that way where you're like, I don't know, something's going to come up here. And I, I'm surely, <laughs> I'm surely not that good. It's a better way to be though. It's a better way to be than get to get complacent and then fall off. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it definitely keeps me honest. I feel like I'm yeah, walking yeah, yeah. on a tightrope, right? And I want to, <laughs> yeah. and in general, it, it makes me overprepare, right? And I, I agree, yeah. like, it's not good to have no confidence in yourself. But I think that to a certain degree, I, the way that I think is often, you know, I, I, I think about a lot of the worst case scenarios. And then because yeah, of yeah. that, I prepare for them. Sure. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not just like negative thinking to, for negative thinking. Like, I, I think that if you can, imagine a scenario in which you're vulnerable or in which you're unprepared and there's still time to do something, then you can, yeah. then you can do something about it. And as long as you do that, then it's actually productive. 
Yeah. But you know, when you're when you're standing on the start line, you kind of have to shake that shit off and get yeah, ready to yeah, go. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I think that going into that next year, I was still a bit uncertain yeah. of where I was at, and uh, and you know that at that point, you know, you, when you come in with a strong performance like that, mm. then all then everybody starts to talk, right? And it's like, oh, this is the next guy. Like this is the guy. <laughs> you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. I hope <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> uh, and it's hard to not hear that stuff but you yeah like you, you just have to do the best you can and i think that that next year i was more aggressive yeah, i was definitely yeah. more aggressive and i was more i think that that was something that i wanted to improve on from the year before was that yeah. i think i was a little bit too lackadaisical in the way i approached a lot of things and i think that in order to win um you need to sometimes take risks and sometimes yeah. uh be aggressive and so I think ever since then, really, like I've been slowly trying to, that year I was a bit, I overcompensated a bit. And then I've been trying to kind of find that middle ground of a place where I am comfortable competing um, and seizing opportunities when I see them, but not, you know, not just jumping it for every ball. Right. Uh, sure, and I, course. I think that it's been, I'm, I'm getting better at it. And again, it's the more times you compete, the more you learn and, and the more you That's kind of learn about yourself, but I, I'm sort of getting better. But yeah, 2017 was, yeah. A rough start. Uh, again, a little over aggressive <laughs> at the start. Yeah, but I mean, I, I remember there's a bit in the. Um, I mean, it's one of my. I think it's my favourite CrossFit documentary. Is the Redeemed and Dominant, and you and you. Uh, there's the bit where you, where you you come back from the run and you're like, I placed 35 last year, and this year I placed th- 36. Was it? You, you yeah, I think so. Place. Yeah, and and yeah, the way what I loved about you in that documentary is that, you know, the first two didn't quite go the way you wanted to, and 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 you and you bounced back in such an amazing fashion you didn't you didn't you still seem really composed you still seem completely in control you didn't panic and, and you just went ahead and, and then your 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 games went up from there talk us through how you did that and a lot of athletes might have gone you know let their head go down and it would have ruined the rest of the games but you just you didn't let it take over does that come from maybe a, a history of being in a sport like gymnastics where every heat you know you leave it there and you have to keep moving forward because you can't dwell on it. Yeah. I think that that's a big part of it. And again, I think that it's something that you learn by doing. And I don't, I think the part, one of the hard parts in CrossFit is that we don't compete that often because it's, sure. you can't, the wear and tear is really high. So the chances you get to hone those skills are maybe few and far between. Whereas mm. in some other sports, like when I competed in gymnastics, you know, yeah, you got six events and if you bomb one, like your all around score could be trashed, but, you can still make event finals. You can still do a lot of good with this competition, but you, you have to just fresh start on the next event. Um, so I, I had spent, you know, an entire career already in sport doing that. Uh, and so I, those, it's nice that those skills pay off, but uh, uh, yeah, I think it, it's funny. You know, and I think some people do a really good job of, of using their emotional energy well but I, I've always kind of looked at it as very volatile and hard to control. And so you see some people and often the people who, who can ride those highs to really strong finishes are the same people that with one misstep could have, you know, two or three bad consecutive finishes because they're just like, they're in a funk and they feel like they're, um, they're out, out of, like they, they're just like all out of sorts. So there's a lot of these peaks and valleys, whereas I've always been very steady. Um, and it, you know, I've been kind of, criticized before that i i'm sometimes boring to watch because of it you know i'm like i'm not exciting or flashy or putting on a show or doing anything like that but i will get the job done and i'll do it pretty well and i'll do it almost every time 
and it's just like that's that's sort of my style I guess and I, yeah, yeah. I I know it's I know that it's like you know you watch some of the athletes who come across the line and there's like a big roar and a big yell there's like a lot of drama and I just like I've never been into that and I I don't know maybe I need to work on my celebrations but to me it's always been I've been like very much more cool like cool and calm like almost cold in the way that I approach stuff and, and it just sort of I find it easier rather than trying to control these highs and lows and things like that. I just, if I don't let myself get high and I don't let myself get low, it's just easier. And that, and that's kind of what gymnastics was like too, is if you're, if you let your energy get too high because you know, it's, it's competition time and like it's go time and you, you know, you, you kick for a, your dismount and you over rotate it by a full, like however much, cause you just threw too much into it like that's still bad. It's terrible. You're still going to land on your back and you take a huge deduction. Like that's not good. So everything was always about energy control and like, you know, arousal control. Like what can you do to make sure that when you're on the competition stage, you perform as if you're still in your gym training and it's just like another day and it's another execution of how, whatever. And it just, it always looks the same. Right. And I think, you know, when it comes time to hit a max lifting competition, like sometimes having the ability to ride that high is, is super important. But I think overall um, being, being calm and, and understanding how to control your energy is, is probably more consistently valuable. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but absolutely. Yeah. So I think that it's a bit of that, like, and I just, you know, those are long competitions and I think you, we always see people, especially near the end of competition, when you get to the last few events, and there's sort of this conversation of who's a threat for the podium. Um, you start to see like athletes turn off, you know, in that last day, guys who feel like they're too far away, stop trying almost. Uh, and you yeah, just, you, you, you look at someone who on paper, like this workout, they should crush it. Uh, but they just don't show up. And you're like, you're like, you, there's no explanation yeah, yeah, for yeah. it. Other than that, they already mentally had disengaged. Right. And so I think we've seen some athletes like there's Cole Sager is a guy in our sport who's a perfect example of this. And he just doesn't, he doesn't ever stop. So there's almost every time he'll have some period of the weekend where he takes a bad hit, but on the last day he could be in like 10th place. But if there's three events on the last day, he'll probably finish top five because he's just like a lot of those other guys have kind of counted themselves out and he'll try just as hard on the last three workouts as he did in the first yeah. three. And, and he doesn't ever turn off. And, then, and that's what it takes. Resilient, just an unbelievable resilience. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think that we, some of us like really get that and it's, and it's a hard thing to learn. It's, it's easy to be like, it's hard and it hurts. And it's like, you know, you're going to put all this effort in and then you're still going to finish eighth. Like I get yeah, it, yeah. but it's, it's like, you know, hundred points on, on Sunday are just the same as hundred points on Friday. Right. Like yeah. those, those points are still the same. And I think the people who really understand that like, okay, well, you know, maybe there's, 700 total points available but there's still 300 points available today it's like man you can move a lot and a lot yeah, of, like yeah. having the ability to just stay charged up and keep yourself ready to rock on the last day can really be valuable so I, i've always been pretty good at that uh and and moving on to the point and knowing that the like the fight's not over till you get to the the last event and you're done and it's i don't know it's draining but the uh yeah. the people who do that really well are, are often very successful so we, uh, I think that in the, especially in 2017, I, that was what kind of got me back to like third in the end. But the, yeah. uh, you know, I think on the last day, like I clawed pretty hard. I think I, I basically 
yeah, I don't think that there was much else I could have done on the last day to, to make myself successful. And, you know, and it worked out fine, but yeah, you gotta have to, you gotta do it till the last horn. That's for sure. Yeah, you do. I, I just touched on it for a minute. I was thinking about this, like the last couple of months, I've been really thinking about it. I mean, I love, I mean, sport and fitness, it teaches you so much about yourself and life and, and all that. I think there's something weird about, I think not weird, well, maybe weird, but CrossFit athletes, you've got to go to some really dark places sometimes like it takes a certain individual to really kind of do well in that arena because you've got to put yourself in some really dark places and be resilient as well like it's it's a it's a, it's a difficult headspace to get into like i've seen like i mean i i've watched the games but even people that i watch at the, the local crossfit box that i go to like i see that I just see that that you've got to be a certain kind of mentality to put yourself through that pain and just be resilient with it. It's yeah, it's it, it's an acquired skill set, I'd say. It I don't is, think some is, some people innately are better at it than others, but yeah. I think that over time, like we, I have actually, so I like I work as a chiropractor too, and my one of my colleagues was actually asking me that the other day because they were watching the Rogue Invitational and they just kind of yeah. like asked about a couple of things and they're like, well, how like how did this feel? How did that feel? Like, what was the, and they're all fit people and they've done a lot of the stuff, but they're like, man, just pain. like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. Um, and the one guy, he was, he was actually a, a martial artist for a long time. He was fought in MMA and he, he's kind of just said like, you must have like a, like a, a by far more developed ability to like endure that, like that pain cave feeling for a longer period of time than some people. He's like, just because, do you, you have a it. voice that go? Do you have that voice in your head, like when you're in a workout and you're like, is it like a trigger? Like I, I find that fascinating that, that some people can just go through it. Like, is there a process that goes there, or is it just happens? Yeah, yeah, I would say there is. But yeah, his point was like, he's like, you've just done it so many times, and I was like, yeah, that's fair point. Like, I think you get good <laughs> at, the things, at the things you do, right? And I think yeah, yeah. it's a shame that that's what I've gotten used to, but. Yeah, I think that there is for sure. And I'm, I'm actually funny and I don't know what, I can't speak to what other people's, you know, self-talk yeah. is like, but mine's not, mine's not overwhelmingly positive. Uh, <laughs> I think that I'm like really? very aware of how challenging some things are. And I think as things get really hard, I typically try to focus on smaller and smaller details to just keep myself like, you know, moving the way I need to or whatever. If you're on a machine, like focusing on your output, holding between certain things, counting your steps, counting things like, mm making sure your footwork is where it needs to be like smaller and smaller details are just going to keep you interesting for your mind from wandering to like, Oh, this is really hard. This really sucks. Um, but there's also a lot of things that we do that there isn't a lot to think about. Uh, sometimes it's just, it's very basic. You're running, you're like, you're on a bike, you're, you're doing like whatever. I had a workout the other day where I was running and doing burpees over like a, a big wall with a weight vest on. And it was like 30 minutes. And it just was, it sucked. I did like one, I was like, I was like six minutes into it or something like that. And I was like, oh yeah, like we're in for a long one. <laughs> so I just like, and that was it. I was just like, well, like this is going to be a long workout, like buckle up. And I just kind of like get through it. But uh, it's just yeah, sometimes it's just, it just takes, yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't think I, I don't think I tune out. Like some people say they like zone out, but I, I think that if you do that, you sort of, you slow down or you like, you, you start to drop off a little bit. So it's funny. I think that the, the best way to, for me to do it and, and do well still is to stay like overly engaged in what I'm doing, Interesting. Uh, which makes the time go by slowly, but 
It, I, it kind of, it kind of doesn't, kind of doesn't. Cause if again, you're focused on little, little things before you know it, like the reps have passed, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would say that there's a lot of, I do a lot of like, Oh, this sucks in my head <laughs> so, and I'm, when things get hard, but at the same time, like I know why I'm doing it. And I think that if you, if you aren't sure, or if you don't have a strong goal or a strong will, then like, it's really easy to slow down and, and say like, Hey, you know, I'll take a couple, take a bit off of this one. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. But it's hard, yeah. and I, I don't know. Like I know I can't get away with it, right? Like there's a lot of really strong competitors that are yeah, accountability my heels, is, right? is, is, is very high. So That's 2017, right. you end up you end up um, being third overall in the end. Um, 2018, just want to touch on it briefly. How was that as a as a year for you? Um, obviously, 2019 is, is the one that I really want to sort of talk to you about because it was such a controversial year. But 2018, how was that for you as an individual in the games and the Open? It went, went smoothly yeah that was like my best year really that was a weird yeah. i don't know i don't even really remember the open in 2018 uh but i yeah i don't know i think i did well enough i know i did well enough to qualify sure. for regionals and my basically at that time all that mattered in the open was to qualify to your region and then for me because it's you seeded accordingly was to yeah. make sure that i was in the top heat uh yeah. And then beyond that, it was like, it didn't really matter. So I did what I had to do to get where I wanted to be there. And then that year, Matt Fraser, who's the kind of the four-time champion now, is he had what used to be in my region. And that year he had moved to the central region. So it was kind of a power vacuum in our region where in the, in the last few years, it was kind of widely looked at as like he and I were like the major competitors there. So you know, there was talk about who was going to step in and try to and win that region. And I did handily, but uh, it was, that was a fun, I think that that was a fun year because even something as simple as that was an opportunity for me to be in a competition without him uh, where I could, I could basically lead the competition and, and try to win and like try to win more events and, and be the leader and, and be chased. And I think that it's, it's a different, different feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah, different feeling mindset, being the yeah. chaser and being the chasee. Right. So I think that that was a cool opportunity. And I think that it was something that I needed to, to experience. Um, so I got to do that and I, and it was fun and it was, a, that was a good competition. And then I went on to the games and I had a great year at the games, but I had a bunch of, that was a weird games year. Like overall it ended up great. I finished second, but I had a lot of little mistakes here and there where mm. I had, you know, I busted up my bike chain in a crash on the bike event. I fell off the cargo net. I had like a lot of little mistakes where mm. I just, you know, I, I don't know, trying to, trying to chase again a little too hard in some instances and, and just like put myself in vulnerable positions. But fortunately it didn't cost me much. I don't, I think still had things gone super smoothly. I, I, I don't think I'd have beat Matt that year anyway. Um, he was still, I think a bit too far ahead, but uh it, so that was a good year. It was funny to see yeah. again, using that balance of like, how hard am I trying to push to win mm. and how smart am I being in the places that I'm pushing? Um, but you know, experience. seeing, seeing still how well yeah. I was able to bounce back from some really bad uh, instances that, you know, like still first event of the games that year was the the crit race on the bike. And I, I think I could, because I crashed and broke my chain, I had to get a new bike. I took like 35th or 34th fourth again. And so right from the get-go was in a huge hole and then came back to finish second. So 
that was like again another good year where it was like here we go again and i was able to perform much better than i would have expected in some events and then um you know snap back from like dumb issues and things like that and keep myself level-headed enough to compete well so that was like a i mean that was a good year overall i would say it wasn't there wasn't anything exceptional about it um but just more of the same really and then progression in the direction that you want yeah for sure totally i mean placing second second of the games must be must be extremely rewarding i mean i mean i was going to touch on it later but actually we'll we'll touch on your relationship with matt fraser later and how how you guys kind of I find that fascinating, but we'll, we'll touch on that later. 2019 obviously is for you. It's, it, it was a very frustrating year. Um, there was a different structure to, to the to the game. Did you know about the difference in structure going into the games? That's something I didn't understand. Uh, we found out about it like a couple weeks before. And what were your views on it then? Uh, okay, well, my, my views hadn't changed. I think that the there was a major f- issue regarding scoring right uh that was like a, a pretty blatant um problem and i mean like i don't know not necessarily a problem but a pretty blatant skew where events became more and more valuable as the competition wore on mm-hmm. so you know if your best event comes up early you're likely to get rewarded less than if your best event comes up later as long as you yeah. make it to that event right so it was like there was a bit of a weird uh, skew where like how come my strength is not worth as much as this guy's strength, mm. um, and, and so that that was like a weird when you're when you're when you're doing a test of all around fitness, yeah. you can't reward certain aspects of fitness more than others. Like that's the the point. It's the basis right? it's, of CrossFit. It's the basis of CrossFit. So, so that to me was like right away was kind of glaringly obvious um, hole, mm. uh, and I, I mean at the time I didn't think it would really affect me much. Um, you know, I even 2019, as far as the season was concerned, I had a great year again, you know, and I won Wadapalooza. I, I was second at Rogue to Matt. Like, I, I had a great year, and I was expecting to continue that. But, again, I'm also notorious for having some small missteps that can cost me a lot of points. And, unfortunately, in a system with cuts, if you make one bad step at the wrong time, it, 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 your, your competition's over. Um, so it was strange. I mean, we found out about it. Yeah. About two weeks prior to the competition starting. So this is like, you're in your last week of training of hard training. And there was like the, the information came out. So there wasn't much time to do much with it. You just kind of like, okay, I guess this is how it's going to be. Um, and I mean, it made sense given the, the amount of competitors they were trying to run through and things like that. Um, it's just a strange, it's, it's a hard system to navigate. Like I don't have a better way to run the system. I just know that the way that they had done it with those cuts and those, uh, the way the point system dropped, it, it was obviously going to create some issues. Like there was, I think, two of us that got cut that had higher average finishes than two of the people who finished in the top 10. So that's just like, that shouldn't be a thing. Like I, I, on average, was a better performer than those people, but they got in and I didn't just because of the specific events in which they were successful versus me. So that's like, that's where there was frustration in it, I think, is we're like, well, that's, that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just like, it's the way they ran. And, it, and I think it provides some drama and, and, and a different level of excitement to the competition and a different level of urgency. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, and if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll see. 
yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, I was watching that, that obviously the 2019 documentary, and it, you put, you went flat out on that last heat, like, whoo, you were flying on the, on that. What was it? What was that? What was that? What was it called? That the last heat you're in? The, the sprint one or the, ah, the sprint, the sprint one, yeah. Yeah. You just went, well, I mean, and that's the flying. thing. I think going into yeah. that day, I think I was in, I was, I was like in 10th, I think. And they were cutting yeah. to top 10 from that. Just so imagine Hayden, it's like one, you get one run. And because, and because that event was also a, it was a, an elimination event where it'd be like, mm, mm. if you finish, so they start with 20. If you're in the top 10, you do a second yeah. run. If you do, in the t- if you're in the top five, you do a third run. Yeah. And so basically I'm in 10th place to guarantee that I stay in 10th place post that event. I need to, I need to get into that top 10. So I need to, I need to finish top 10 uh, or else I'm, I'm eliminated. And that was like yeah. pretty much as cut and dry as it could have been. So, yeah. and I'm not like an exceptional sprinter. I'm fine. I think the agility stuff would have been better. The long straightaways aren't great for me. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And that's just like, that's what happens. You know, you, yeah. you have to back against the wall. You have to throw it as hard as you can. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's why like, I have no, it wasn't for lack of effort. Right. And it's kind of like, yeah. that sucks that that was the position I was in based on yeah. some mistakes earlier in the competition. But mm. you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been in that position, frankly, I was better than that, but the, it's the way it goes. And that's why it's, you know, that's why it's sport and that's why it's competition. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. stuff. Happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like before we obviously go into your, to your great 2020 year. I mean, at this point, and this is why I think, you come into a league of your own is is that you've had for those years you know 2017 there was some some issues there some frustrations there 2009 you kept on that you had that resilience again to keep on like training harder to come back to to reach the goals that you, that you wanted to hit i mean coming out of 2019 games was there any deflation or were you simply is deflation even a word i don't even know it, were you deflated or i mean what was your mindset at that point going forward with crossfit did it uh, it's kind you? of funny because the change that they had made in the schedule meant that now the open was going to be in October. Right. So whereas in the past, you know, you finish, you win the games, you get to be the games champion for like nine months mm. and then the open starts and then it's like, you know, things start to change. Uh, and it's basically a fresh start. So now though, with if the games ends in like August and then in mm. like October, the games season basically starts up again, you're already being remeasured. So yeah. when we finished that year, I was like, you know, that was sucked. It was Game stupid. On. I should I shouldn't have been in the position that I was in. I got some time to take off, but we're back to square one in like a month. You know, mm. by the time I'm back to training, it's like we've got we've got a month, and then we're back to being measured again. So it almost feels like it was so transient, like it didn't even yeah. it didn't even happen. Like, and then you know, we're right back to the open, and then you're right back to competing in some events, and then it just the season was almost continuous, right? The 2019 to 2020. So it was funny. And I think that the, I, I obviously wanted to try to wash that away as fast as I could. Um, I think that it just, it didn't feel representative of, of me or of that, of what I was, my, my ability was or what I, what I was, what I worked for. Right. So I think it's frustrating when you, when you have that experience, when you misrepresent what you think your ability or your capability is, um, so yeah, I, I think I just, I wanted a better representation of what I was able to do out there. So, and it's not that I, I honestly, like I didn't going into the open, I didn't focus on the open. Like I wasn't trying to win it. Um, I only you redid did, the did. last workout. 
Yeah, I know. I, I so I actually was like, I think of the five weeks of the Open, I was traveling for four of them, three or four of them. Uh, and most of the time, like I went camping for the first weekend. So I just like, I showed up, I did the open workout on Friday morning and then I went camping for the whole weekend. And then I like, I came home, we did the second one. I went to Miami and I did that one with Matt Fraser in Miami. So I flew all the way across the country, uh, West coast to East coast, and then did the workout there a couple days later. I was there for an expo, came back. I did the third week, said the same thing. I I did the workout on Friday morning and then we went away for the weekend. And then the fourth week I was just home and it was fine. And then the fifth week I did the open announcement in Boston. So that was the only one that I redid was the last one because I had to do that. That was the one where you could pick whatever you wanted to do the order. And I, I had to, I had to basically do it with no notice, like on the fly. They're like, choose your own adventure. And I was like, what the fuck? And I had to like, (laughs) I had to like figure it out in like four minutes and then try to do it. And it just like, it, it was such a scramble that I did that one a couple of days later. I spoke to, I was with Brent Bukowski and he, we chatted a bit about strategy and came up with a good plan for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then I was able to execute that super well on like, you know, yeah. two days later or something like that. But yeah, it's kind of funny. Like it wasn't ever the plan to, to win the open. And I didn't, I wasn't like redoing every workout twice to make sure that I was crushing it. I think what happened, to, what happened to Fraser in that one? There was in the last one? No, in in the in the open. I mean, where, where did he? Is that when he got? Is that what happened? I don't know. I mean, nothing know. happened to him. He was fine. He just yeah. was like probably a little bit less in shape than he normally would be. Like he he just not very much when he he's very focused in competition, and I think he's the kind of guy that wants to when he's competing live, he wants to put forth. Yeah. a product that he's proud of. And so he doesn't, you know, like he didn't compete at rogue this year because he was injured for a few, like basically part of the month leading up and he didn't get to train properly for, for prep. He was healthy at the time of the event, but he was just like, I'm underprepared. Like I'm going to walk in there and I won't look like what I want to look like. So that's fair enough. He wants to, he wants to make sure that he's prepared and he's, he's ready for war whenever he takes the floor, but the open is a bit different and it's kind of like, we have to do it as a, as a, to be part of the season. So you're kind of just, especially now when it's, it's only, you know, a month and a half or two months after the season ends, like he basically normally would finish the games and then take a few months off and not really train and just take some time to regroup. Cause he's basically just spent the last eight months mm. getting himself like, like beating the shit out of himself. But yep. so I think that the open, at that time of year is, is not for Matt <laughs> and he, he's still a super fit guy, but I know like we, we did the workout together in Miami, the second one. Um, and yeah, like he's in shape, but he was just like, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Like, maybe he's making excuses, but he, yeah. uh, I, I think he wasn't quite there. He was, yeah. we, we call it his fat Matt season. Cause he usually goes, <laughs> He puts on like 10 pounds, 15 pounds, and he just gets a bit fluffy. And then he, he hangs out like that for a few weeks, like a few months. And then, you know, when it's time to, to get back to work, he's, he's ready to get back to work. Right. I think that that's like the mental part of it where he, in order to keep himself sane for years of doing this, he needs to give himself time. And it's usually a few months. So that change in the open kind of took part of that away from him. So he did, he did the open. He like, didn't quite let himself go after the games, did the open. And then I think after the open, he took a lot of time. Um, yeah, fair, and then he fair. didn't compete until London, actually. And when would that have been? January, December? Something like that. 
something like that. You two, I mean, every any footage there is oh. of you guys t together um, in, in any of those CrossFit documentaries, you guys clearly have like a like a good relationship. Like there's, there's a really amazing mutual respect there. I mean, what's what's it like to go up against him? And and I mean, as an experience, I mean, he's obviously a, a quality athlete. To, what's it like to, to go up against him? Do you, do you really love that that com competition between the two of you? Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's fun. We have good banter and I like hanging out with them. And, and I think that in the past when we were at the regional together, um, that was fun. That was like one of my favorite competitions of the year. Cause it was a very, those couple of years where it was, he and I, we, we was like, you know, I, I got the chance and that was when I was newer in the scene, I got to compete against the best guy around. Um, so for me, it was beneficial. I don't know how much benefit he got out of it, but I got to, I got to benefit from that and, you know, being able to chase him. And even in 2016, you know, going from the regionals to the games in my rookie year, like nothing changed. Like I competed against the games champion, like three months before that. Yeah. And so to go to the games, it was basically like at regionals. All I was trying to do is like stay pretty close to Matt. So then I go to the games and I just try to stay pretty close to Matt and I just do the same <laughs> thing again. And, it, and that works really well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, then it's, it's since then that it's switched a bit and I'm, I'm definitely trying to beat him, but uh, it's fun. I think that he's a kind of athlete. I have a huge amount of respect for his ability and his effort level, um, but it's fun. He, he, we talk a lot about various things in competition and he's uh, you know, he's, I think he's the kind of guy who he wants to win badly, but he doesn't yeah. want to win cheaply. Mm. Um, so I think that he wants to, he wants to be the best you that you can be, right? Like he, he wants you to be, to have a good competition. He doesn't want guys to, you know, go down with an injury and then he gets to win uh, because of that. Like he wants, he wants everyone to compete well and he wants everyone to be healthy and, and, and be proud of their effort. But he just like, at the end of the day, he wants his effort to be a little better than yours. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's been a good guy to, to spend some time around in competition. And I think, in those early years at regionals and stuff when I was coming in and uh, having a guy like that in your region, it's kind of funny. I think a lot of people are a bit intimidated of him uh, just by reputation, I guess, or I don't know, but uh, and maybe it's my background playing like lacrosse and rugby and things, but I always kind of took the piss out of him right from the start. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, and I, and I think, I think he liked that. Right. And he was like, yeah, Oh, I was yeah. like, and it sort of created a, a different relationship for us. And we, we got along well. And, and then, you know, he, he would, he would chat with me and try to help me out with stuff like right from my rookie year. And um, we had a healthy relationship and I think that it's cool. And, and, and that's, that's, what's kind of cool about our space is that there's a lot of, everyone's highly competitive and everyone's doing a lot of work, but at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. So yeah. I think there's a lot of respect between athletes that like, you know, sometimes you go out and like somebody does something incredible and like you, you look and like, we're all really fit and we're all really good and we're all doing the same thing. Mm. So I know exactly what that meant, like what you just mm. did. Mm. And like, I, I know how hard that was and like, mm. I couldn't do that. And I, I could train for a couple more years and I probably wouldn't be able to do that. So sometimes yeah. you see things that are objectively very impressive and incredible. And so it's, it's fun. Anything, to be able to st anything back. stand out, anything stand out where you, like over the years where you've just been like, that is ridiculous ah oh, let me think of it really quick but 
They're I'm definitely sure people are. think exactly the same with you, like as well. But I'm just intrigued. Must yeah, no, and that's the thing, like, right? And wow. I think that sometimes you come back and you hit the the warm up area again, or you come back after an event, and people just look at each other like, "Dude, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> where, where did that come from? Like, how did you do that?" Uh, so it's it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like, let me think. I don't know. I, like, I, some ones that stand out for me, but in that specifically, are ones like when we um at the regionals uh 2017 we had a few like where he was still in the region with me and we just had like tight races and there was a couple events that year where he and i would finish and then it would be over a minute before the next person would finish and it was just like a race between he and i and we'd stand at the finish line and just be like super tired and just look at each other and be like why did we do that like i didn't like we could have both slowed down. <laughs> down a lot and he's like well you know, I wasn't going to slow down, were you? And I was like, no. But, <laughs> you know, some stuff like that where you're just I, – one, one that sticks out of my head actually right now from 2018 was Lucas Hogberg did an event on the last day with a sled drag run and a salt bike. Um, and he, he just, like, wiped everybody out. And, I mean, it was a yeah. great wheelhouse workout for him, but everybody finished. And it was, like, one of the most – it was probably the most grueling workout of that weekend in terms of just like raw work capacity and like grunt work. So everybody finished it was just mangled and we all like got out there and we're like, dude, what? Like, what did you, how did you do that? Cause he just like, he just like skipped across the finish line, like, like hands in the air. That we're like, so funny. what happened there? And sometimes it's just like raw ability. Like you see somebody who, you know, they have, the capacity of like muscle ups or whatever it might be that they can just crush it. Like Dakota yeah. Rager in 2017, winning the muscle up, uh, squat snatch workout, just like a small dude, just, just roasted everybody on the muscle ups. And it was just like, he went, he did all the sets unbroken and then just walked off with the win. And we were like, all right, <laughs> drop the mic. Boom. Yeah. We're like, good for you, man. Like we, I couldn't have done it. Like, so yeah, sometimes yeah. it's just, it's fun to appreciate the greatness yeah. of some of the athletes and just look yeah. at it and be like, yeah, I still, I still have a lot of work to do. Um, and that's yeah. kind of what's fun about it is no yeah. matter how long we've been doing it. Uh, and you know, no matter how, how good I can do all around. Oh, another good one recently from the Rogue Invitational was uh, the, the sixth event, the one with the, the, there was one with a D ball where you did like squat cleans with the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like rowing, handstand pushups, box step overs. Um, everybody finished super tight except Bjorgen Carl Gudmundsson beat everybody by a minute. Mm, 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 Just like nice. smashed everyone. It was like he finished that, nobody stuff. forever. And then like, and then, you know, I finished then six seconds later, it's like Saxon finishes few seconds later, a few seconds later, like everyone's separated by, you know, less than 10 seconds, except he just crushed people. And we like, minute. what are you going to do? I'm <laughs> what like, can I, you, do? <laughs> you look, you look back at that and I'm like, was there, Hey, where, where could I, you know, it was like, a, he did it in about 14 minutes. Like where, where could I have bought a full minute? It's like, I just couldn't have. Oh, actually same competition. The next workout, Colton Mertens does, a workout that I, on paper, I looked at it. I'm like, this is probably just under four minutes. Took me about three and a half. Took Noah about three and a half. And we were, he was second. I was third. Colton Mertens does it in 242. So almost a minute faster than us in a, in a three minute workout to beat somebody by over a minute. Nuts. We were like, we're like, what? I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm glad you did that. Cause that's impossible. I'm glad it was on video. Cause I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, if, if it wasn't on video, you wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, so I, it's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think every time, if you think hard enough, every competition, there's moments like that that are just yeah, yeah. 
objectively impressive and you look at somebody that walk off the floor and you're like what yeah. on earth yeah. you're an impressive human being yeah i mean that takes us on to the to the 2020 so you you, you came first in the open um obviously covid hits and you know dismantles the world uh you know crossfit going kind of you know having to change its format due to a, a number of reasons but you know you obviously had this rogue interna- uh, international invitational sorry and it's all done via recordings and you know it was an amazing kind of way it was done i thought considering the circumstances how and obviously you came first congratulations which i probably should have said at the beginning um what was that like what i mean it's completely different to anything really i suppose you've ever done before in 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 that sort of competition competition kind of way no yeah no it was new it was it was new to everybody i think it was kind of cool to me because for years like i think the main criticism of most online competitions Mm. is that they're not exactly representative because people can just keep redoing them or they can keep poaching scores from people and then trying to beat their scores and whatever. Yeah. And, you know, there's always questions about, Oh, I don't know. Like what, what did, how did setups affect how people did, you know, if you had to travel farther in your transitions, mm-hmm. like sometimes there's even questions about, you know, was their equipment legit? Um, yeah, 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 so yeah. what this competition did is it just eliminated all those questions. Like they supplied mm-hmm. the equipment. They gave us a standardized setup that you had to use within a reasonable degree of variability that they would have to approve. Um, and we had to do it one, we only had one chance to do it. So it was an online competition, but you had to just, it was basically like a real competition in the sense that you had multiple events in a day. You only had one shot, but it was an online competition in the sense that you couldn't see your competitors. Um, and so you kind of had to just, do the workout and try your hardest without any external stimulus, which is hard. I think one of the, one of the big things in competition is that that atmosphere changes things for people and some people for the better and some for the worse. So it sort of eliminated that and neutralized that component where some people really rise to the occasion under that, uh, that atmosphere, they were sort of robbed of that. And some people who sometimes crumble under the lights were maybe given a, an opportunity to succeed. And so it was very cool. And I thought that on that side of things, they, they took away a lot of questions. Like it was just, mm. it was an online format that we've wished we had forever where it's like, well, I, you know, I wish we could do the open, but everybody just only had one chance. Like, how do we make that happen? I hate when people redo the workout three times and then they beat me on the third try. It's like, yeah, so, it's fuck, like, yeah. so it takes away that rehearsal aspect a little bit. And, uh, and so I thought it was great. Uh, but it was what they had to do to do that was, a bit weird like you know we weren't allowed to have any music on we weren't allowed to have anybody talking or cheering or any coaching or anything like that during the event because they had to keep the audio down for the feeds so that when they had their commentators on and you could still hear the barbells and things like that so you had to compete in this like vacuum in your own gym in like a little box and you just had to have like dead silence and compete in it i think you know i sometimes train with no music just because i'm lazy and i don't turn it on Um, but it's probably pretty rare that you've done a competition stimulus, like a competition intensity workout, hearing nothing but your own breath. And it's kind of alarming to hear how loud your breathing is sometimes. You're like, Oh, and you know, like I had, we had people from the gym come watch and my family was actually in town to watch. And that was like, my mom said that to me after a couple of the workouts. You breathe loudly. (laughs) Yeah. And they, and you know, they've, they've watched me compete a lot of times, but you know, when you're in the stands and you're, you're much farther away and there's music, there's like, we've never, I never knew how hard you were working 
It's like, you know, you always kind of look like it's pretty easy or that you're calm and whatever. But I'm like, I have never been able to just hear like your heart. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's, yeah. So I think it was, it was a cool experience to me because there, it provided a very intimate look at what a competition is like for the athletes, for the members of their gym. So, I mean, for me, my gym is not a, a competitive uh, gym. Like, no, there's not a lot of people there competing in competitions. Some people doing some fun stuff. But nobody who's really traveling to go to big events, right? And I think that that's really this weird element where, you know, I now and then I'm like, bye, guys. I'm off to Dubai. And then I, like, I leave and they watch, watch it on TV or on YouTube. And then I come home and it's like, oh, how was Dubai? Like, oh, it was great. Yeah, I watched this. And uh, this provided an opportunity for people to see behind the curtain and say, like, oh, involved, you know. Involved, yeah. yeah, everybody was there. Like, we had to have social distancing and things, but we probably had at least – probably had 10 people watching each event at least. Nice, and they had nice. kind of set up registrations so people could watch different events. And, you know, you had people coming in and like, they watch how you warm up, like see how you behave in a competition environment. Cause it's stressful. I'm like, yeah. I, it, was, it was funny for me to think about like how I behave in a competition environment. Cause like, I didn't have my coach there and I didn't have like, it was kind of just like me getting ready to warm up and compete and, and eat and do and refuel and cool down and do all the things that I would do in competition but normally you're doing it with like a lot of noise around you. And like, it's, it doesn't feel as weird to be warming up for an event because everybody else is warming up for an event. And as funny as it sounds like a lot of times in competition, as much as I'm sure a lot of athletes are looking at me, like what's Velder doing uh, to warm up for this? Like I should probably do that. Like I, I, I do that to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, I typically don't over warm up. Like I, I warm up fairly sparingly. So, you know, I'm, that at that point I didn't have anybody to take cues from. So I'm kind of like, Oh shoot, I have to think for myself and what do I want to do? <laughs> but uh, you know, and it was weird. You're under a microscope. Like everybody was there kind of watching, like, what's he doing? How is he going to yeah. warm up for this? Yeah. And you're sitting there thinking, what am I going to do to warm up for this? And so it, it created this funny environment and people got to see, you know, how you approach things, how you, what you do in between events, uh, you know, what, what it looks like when you finish a competition workout, like when we're tired like that. And what do I do right afterwards? Like if I'm going right to refuel or cool down or stretch or whatever, yeah. like am I laying down between events? Like, so it was yeah. just, it was a very intimate behind the curtain look, I think for people who are not involved in the competition side and it kind of got the, the community at our gyms a little more involved in it. And I think it was intriguing for people. So that was something that I, I, after thinking about it, I thought that that was a really cool element that it provided. Sure. And you, and you basically, I mean, I I rewatched it over the last couple of days. You only finished outside the top two once. Was that right? In the, in the cross, cross the Uh, no, I, that's, I appreciate that, but that's no, I, uh, I think I finished, on the so it's weird there's basically there was set there was technically seven events even though they say six because the snatch was two events so the snatch the first part of the snatch which was just the 50 for time i think i took fifth uh and then i won the second part yeah. and then the clean and jerk uh i tied for third but because of the tie break i ended up in like sixth or seventh because there was uh-huh. i think four or five guys that were tied for third and then I kind of botched my tiebreaker, so I dropped down. But we, we lifted the same weight, so we were listed right. as third. But I collected points for, right, like, sixth okay. or seventh. And then I think the, la- the last workout I took third as well because Noah got me on that one too. So it was Colton Mertens, Noah, and me. But the, one you I, won, the, one, the one you won with the, this, we were talking about it just before we started recording, that was nuts, the, the power snatch. That was nuts. 
that's that's we've never I've never done an event like that in competition. So it was, a, it was kind of fun to do a new format. Yeah, but it was funny, and I, I had I was mentioning to you like I. I had to, I did that last minute where I put like 15 of, of 19 <laughs> matches in when I didn't have to. And I actually asked that question in the briefing, like just like normal competition, they put, they, we had an online briefing and you could ask questions. And I said, Hey, because we're not allowed cheering or coaching or any of that stuff, but our judges are, are like mic'd up and our yeah. operational manager who's running our feed is mic'd up. Like, can somebody tell the athletes if they don't have to, if they can stop? And I mean, if you're in heat one, you still have to keep going because you've got to set the bar. Yeah. But if you're in heat two and you've already beaten all the other scores and you're the only guy who's in the next round, you, there's no need for you to do anything. You're just like blowing your back up for later. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. they basically just said, hey, don't worry about it. Just put your best effort forward. And of course, I'm the guy that it happened to. So I was a bit <laughs> irritated at that. But I think part of the problem was that there was a slight delay between the, the broadcast yeah, 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 and yeah, the reality. Yeah. I, I think it was about 30 seconds to a minute. So unless you, you were, were so confident, <laughs> yeah, unless you were so confident that you were going to just stand there and wait for the feed to catch up and then someone's yeah. like, oh yeah, no, somebody else was in there and they've already got six reps in. You're like, fuck. But, uh, <laughs> but you kind of had no choice but to do it. Yeah, yeah, it <clears> and I mean, at that point, you're only going to have one more minute anyway. So it was just, it was, it was okay. It was annoying. Frankly, I'm glad uh, that the men didn't go as far as the women did because yeah, that yeah. was wild. Like, was I think... I think Sam Briggs did like 80 more reps than me yes, or something that like that. That's ridiculous. That's that like ridiculous. And dude, everybody talking to a bunch of the athletes, I started like a little group chat with all the athletes on the men's side uh, after the first day, just to get some of that banter, that competition well, banter. Like going. a, like a what's like a WhatsApp group. Yeah. I just did it on Instagram, but uh, yeah, oh, right. it's the same deal. Just cause like, <laughs> that's part of the fun of competition is like the yeah, banter behind the scenes and things. And I was like, ah, I missed that. So I did that. And, and that was like, everybody's backs got crushed by that workout. You know, the next day going to the lift the one rep max clean and jerk. And like, I had to max out my clean and jerk at 7am and it just like, that wasn't sweet. And everyone's backs were really sore, but that everybody said the same thing. They're like, just imagine being Sam Briggs. Like she has yeah, to be in a body cast. And uh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. She's uh she is something else. That woman is unbelievable. Yeah. I'm real. So you, you ended up first. I mean, what was it? What was it like? Did were you absolutely elated? At the, you know, at the result. I mean, to talk us through that actually coming to the end and, and just was it pure relief or what? What, what was your what was your mental process then? It's funny. It's kind of relief. I, I actually feel yeah. like most of the time when I finish competing, it's relief. You're like, thank <laughs> God, thank God, I don't have to do another workout because you're just sore and you're tired and you're like, <clears throat> and some of them, you know, like Wadapalooza this year, um, I had to like, I had to fucking go for it to win it, like. In the last day, I had to win both events in order to force a tie and then win the tiebreaker to win the event. So, like, I, I had to be on it on the last day. So, that's, like, stressful. And when you finish that, like, I finished the last event and won it as well. Mm. And I, I knew that, that I had locked up first. So, I was, like, I was pretty pumped about that. Mm. And, like, yeah. But then you're just, like, you're relieved. You're, like, I pulled it off. It's great. And it's mm. kind of funny. I don't, I don't know. It's not like the podium ceremonies are, like – that exciting i feel like you're just you're worn out you're tired like things are but you're you're like you're proud of your effort and you're yeah like this it's just kind of this relief all your work was worth it and, and things yeah, paid yeah. off and the things the decisions you made worked out and rogue was even more different because there wasn't any podium ceremony or anything right you're just like but it was a slightly different circumstance where i was ahead by a lot um 
And I just had to like, in the last day, frankly, I just had to not really make any mistakes, sure. uh, any big mistakes and I would win. So that whole last day was kind of like, ah, don't be stupid. Like work, like work hard, execute well, and then you're fine. And then it, yeah. it just like, at the end of the day, it was, it felt nice to be like in a position of like, yeah, okay. You just like, that was smooth. I didn't really make any mistakes. I had like one maybe mistake in the whole weekend and I, and it was minor, uh, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's relieving to know that you're just kind of, you're where you need to be and that your training's working out. And I feel like that is always nice. And like I said, I, I just, I think, I feel like honestly, the relief of just knowing you don't have to do another workout is, is awesome. <laughs> Being like, cool, I'm not going to do another piece of exercise for at least three days. And like, Beautiful. I'm must totally be, okay with that. Must be a great feeling. <laughs> I, had, I had to go to work the next morning after Rogue was done uh, yeah. and treat patients. And I like, my back was so sore. It was- I can imagine. It was like the ultimate irony. It was like people coming in to see their chiropractor and his back is so sore that he can't, uh, he can like barely function. <laughs> so irony. it was good. Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty funny uh, couple of days, but. Uh, yeah, amazing. No, it was nice oh, to I, have a successful weekend for that. Yeah, I, I can imagine. It was, it was really, really great to watch. Last couple of questions before I leave you in peace, I, I promise. I, I, no obviously, sweat. I just wanted to touch on, um, you know, Cross has obviously been going through a bit of a crazy time the last month. Um, and recently, I mean, obviously with Greg Glassman stepping away and the new CEO, Eric Rose, is stepping in. I mean, how do you feel about this? I mean, are you excited for the future of CrossFit? I mean, has it had any impact on you as of yet? I mean, this is literally the last couple of days that this has gone through. But, you know, what, what's, what's, your, what's, what's your feeling about the future of CrossFit? Are you excited? Uh, yeah, I would say right now I'm, I'm optimistic and excited about it. I think, you know, some of the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks um, you know, we had actually gathered a bunch of the athletes together to talk about it. And, and some of the other members, strong members of the community, affiliate owners or sanctional owners. And we've been trying to figure out what the best direction we think things to go would be. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of conversations of just, you know, venting and clearing the air about like how this makes us feel and what we think. And, you know, a lot of that, the athlete boycotts kind of came out of those conversations as well. Um, and I think we as athletes were prepared to, to try to, you know, use our, throw our weight around a little bit to see if we could move things in a direction that we wanted. Um, yeah. So the fact that I think that Greg selling was something that really needed to happen in order for CrossFit to salvage their image. Um, I think that he needed to be, to remove himself um, from that equation just because, you know, I think that the public trust is extremely low uh, and I yeah. think him staying connected to it would, would effectively make it irreparable almost. Um, so we all kind of felt that way. And, you know, with a lot of the scandal that had come out, I think we were all kind of just waiting for the next scandal. We're like, this is going to get worse before it gets better. This is one of those scenarios where, you know, as more people speak up, more people gain courage. And like, we're like, this is not, these are the types of things that are not forgivable and like they're bad and it's going to get way worse. So we were kind of preparing ourselves for the worst and trying to think accordingly. So this sale um, was really, really good. I mean, we've had, we've had a few chats with the games team and the athletes as well. And, you know, since Eric came in, we had a chat. He was on the last one we had uh, just recently. Um, he's really opened himself up to speaking to anyone and everyone who wants to uh, chat with him. And, and he's happy to listen. And his, he shared his vision with us. And I think that, you know, he, he's a fan of the sport and he wants to see yeah. it grow and he wants to see it um, become more mainstream and popular. And, and he, he wants to see growth there. 
uh, and he wants to use it as a, you know, a platform for the affiliates and he want, he's got pretty good vision. And he's also a guy who is, has great success in business, right? He's, he's run yeah. some successful businesses in the past. Um, he's also a 10 year affiliate owner. So he's got, he kind of checks all the boxes and he's, he does, he's, yeah. he's looking very good. And I think that all the interactions that we've had with him so far have been, have been very positive. So, right. I mean, time will tell obviously like anything. Uh, but I think that if it's a, is it a step in the right direction? Like absolutely 100%. Um, and then we'll just kind of see, obviously, like you said, it's been a weird year and the games is in a weird limbo right now, uh, where we've now been pushed back to September, uh, mid September. And so we don't know if, if, you know, there, there's still big flare ups of COVID going on in the U S and we don't know if this is going to change a lot in the next while we're hopeful, but I don't know, like this end of the season might be scrapped. It, it, I get very, there's a very reasonable chance that it could be. Sure. Um, especially if you have to start thinking about the starting of next season at some point. Right. Uh, so if the open in the past was in October and we're having the games in September, like that ain't happening. So something's moving, uh, whether it's the open or whether the games at some point has to just say, Hey, you know what, we're just going to regroup for next year. Um, so I don't know that, that sort of stuff from the competition side is, is a bit frustrating given that like I've had a great competition year so far, but I think that the changes that are being made right now are probably long overdue. Uh, and I think that they'll be positive in the long run. Uh, I think that Eric's got a good vision and he knows what he's doing. And uh, I think that they've got some good people there that are helping him out. So hopefully the transition is smooth and uh, he's not blindsided by things that he didn't know about or something like that. But I think that it, the future looks positive right now. Great. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I wish I really, really I look forward to seeing what happens over the next six to months with the sport for sure. Definitely. Okay, lo- second last question, which I ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, I mean, uh, top performers, everyone has their sort of own philosophy on life. Um, if you had to, if you had to pass off one sort of life lesson to the listeners here today, what would it be? I'm sure you have many, but what's the one thing that one life lesson that you would you pass on as a word of wisdom? Uh, um, I, I guess I'm trying to think of like a punchy way to say this, like one sentence. Doesn't have to be punchy. Doesn't have to be punchy. Uh, like I think you gotta, you gotta do things for yourself and realize that everybody is so different. I think one of the things that we do a lot nowadays is we look at each other for cues as to how we should do things. Um, and I, and I don't think that's the pathway to success. I think that everyone's pathway is slightly different. I mean, being someone who went through a university undergraduate and a professional program while competing at a very high level, which people can't understand how I was able to do that. And it's just because I didn't do it the way that I, that people said I should have, like, I didn't, you know, I did a lot of things that I learned, I learned things about myself early, the things that I could get away with, the things I was good at, the things I was bad at. And I, I changed my lifestyle according to that in order to allow myself to live to the maximum potential that I could, whether it was things like how I study, how I train, how I sleep. Um, everybody's got these rules about like how you need to do things in order to be successful. And it's all bullshit. Like if you, if you go to school and you, you can't study for like, more than an hour at a time because your mind starts to wander then don't like don't do it if you can if you sit in class and you just go on facebook and whatever 
but you're better at working by yourself then work by yourself. Don't go to class. Like there's just like, if you can't train more than like, if you have to train in a group, if you have to train by yourself, like just do that stuff. Like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, like no one, no one really cares. Like it's just at the end of the day, if you're doing it in a way that allows you to be successful and reach your goals and be happy, then that's what's important. So, you know, I think I've, I've dealt with a lot of that in my life where it's like a lot of like, fighting uphill battles with administrations or various things because people are just like you, you shouldn't be doing this like you need to do it this way you need to do it that way and like you just you just have to figure out what works for you and do it and i mean over the course of a lifetime if you're paying attention um it shouldn't be that difficult to find out what things work best for you so just pay attention pay attention to how you feel pay attention to your body pay attention to your outcomes and then if there's things that just objectively work for you stick to it because that's all that's what matters beautiful thank you so much man honestly that was that was epic i loved every second of that obviously pretty much everyone that will be listening to this will know where to find you but just to clear that up for them where can people follow you where can people you know see what you're up to uh probably the best is just my instagram is at p velner and then i don't really use any other platforms right now nice Thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. Um, I can't wait to get this out. Uh, that was a great experience. And yeah, just want to say thank you one last time. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.